Girl, don't do it. It's not worth it. I'm not going to do it, girl. I was just thinking about it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Guys, I did it. <laughs> Hi, my name is Hannah and welcome to All We Have Time For. This is my new podcast, a space dedicated to sharing my thoughts and opinions on things that don't really matter, but kind of really matter to me. So let me start off with a brief introduction, a little bit of context. First of all, if we're friends, hi, uh, it's primarily you that I'm speaking to. A friend once said to me, Hannah, you have an opinion on everything. You're never just neutral, are you? And I was like, okay, true. <laughs> since the Panny D showed up, um, since that showed up and made our lives difficult, um, conversation and chat and storytelling has gone from being what I feel was a casual, passive pastime to being something planned and, you know, sort of calculated and perhaps a little bit too intentional. And while I do believe that there is definitely time for intentional and meaningful discussion, I found myself really missing those situations where you could talk with friends endlessly without any real direction or commitment or expectation of how that conversation would go. Um, I, love the, I love the rabbit holes that we used to fall into. I love the conversations that started off being about sort of, oh, I'm feeling hungry today, what should I eat? And somehow end up being about which minion is the hottest or something else random like that. Um, I found myself having all these opinions and trains of thoughts coming up in my everyday life with nowhere for them to go because they didn't really have a place. <laughs> so does that make me conceited? I don't know. Does that, do I just really enjoy the sound of my own voice and did I decide to start a podcast because I needed an outlet for all the opinions that nobody asked for from me? Well, I don't know. Maybe we can circle back to that with a verdict another time. Um, but all in all, I like being social and I like stopping to think about things that would otherwise be easy to just brush past or dismiss as meaningless. I do really want to jump into talking about some characters from High School Musical. So let's do that. Now, Naturally, this is your official spoiler alert. I will be talking about all three films, but it's been well over a decade, so I don't want to hear anything about that. There is so much to talk about when it comes to High School Musical, but I have to limit myself, otherwise we'll be here for eternity. Okay? Okay. You might be over High School Musical, but I am not. This is the year of our Lord, 2021, 15 years since the release of the first High School Musical movie. In fact, the day I'm recording this, it's the day after High School Musical 1's official birthday. Um, I actually watched High School Musical 2 yesterday. Personally, I, I don't know, them, them summer vibes is what does it for me. But yeah, 15 years since the release of the first one. And I still have to sit here and watch as this franchise gets flippantly overlooked. And quite frankly, I think it's an injustice. High School Musical is not some wishy-washy struggle musical. Um, Kenny Ortega was director and choreographer, amongst others, but he's the star. And first of all, it's, it's Kenny Ortega. If the, the man's list of works does not lie. And if you don't know who Kenny Ortega is, 
He is a little bit of a hero of mine. He has choreographed for Dirty Dancing. He has choreographed for Michael Jackson and uh, Gloria Estefan and Cher. He's also directed for Gilmore Girls and Hocus Pocus, to name a few of his, like, directing credits. And critically, he both directed and choreographed for all three High School Musical movies. And can I just say, slow clap. Well done, Mr. Kenny Ortega, sir, um, your excellency. Can I just say you did that? If there is one number you have to watch to get a glimpse of the, the genius, it's probably a night to remember from the third film, particularly uh, the choreo when we get to the percussive, almost samba-like break. Gosh, I love it. Um, or maybe I Don't Dance from the second film and that absolutely solid choreography particularly in the swing break. As for the music, I don't really know much about David Lawrence himself. That's the man who wrote the music. But I do know that the soundtracks slapped. And even though film three had the weakest storyline and, and the most of Gabriella's oh, whining by far, <clears throat> it had the best songs and was maybe the best for Feel Good Factor um, can I Have This Dance is the perfect duet, the perfect wedding first dance, and that's coming from someone who hates watching wedding first dances. Um, if I ever have a wedding, I probably will not slow dance in front of my friends and family, but that's not what we're talking about here, is it? Remember, when we all watched how Zac Efron <laughs> absolutely made history with that performance of Bet On It in film two, I've injured myself singing slash dancing along to that number. My old housemates can testify to that. And the high school musical production team said to us, do, do you want more? Do you want another one? Hey, fancy another one? Are you ready for some more? Do you want another one? And voila, we got Scream in film three. Wow, nailed it, aced it, killed it, slayed it. Unbelievable. Wow. Essentially, Kenny Ortega made history, okay? I sat down with the president of Disney Channel and I said, I want to make history. And that's what this is. Okay, let's talk about Taylor McKessie and how I can't stand her. What does the word representation mean to you? What does it mean to any of us? Am I supposed to feel represented by Taylor? To me, Taylor gives me Fox News anchor vibes, if you can call it news, I don't know. She gives me like Stacey Dash vibes. She comes across as a type of person to tweet about why Black Lives Matter <laughs> is letting down the black community. Um, Taylor McKessie is the friend that Tony Lauren or Tammy Lachlan or whatever her name is, I really do not care. Um, the friend she would refer to as a means of claiming she isn't racist. Towards the end of film three, Taylor referred to herself as the future president of the United States. And guess what? I can see her in office because she is giving me Condoleezza Rice vibes. And that's, that's not a good thing. She doesn't read as sassy to me or whatever other euphemistic terms we tend to use for black people. Um, I was prepared to look past her behavior in film one because none of the characters really knew how to act in that film. She, and when I say characters, I mean they didn't know how to behave. I'm not slating the actors' performances. I'm saying the characters were off their heads. Taylor wasn't alone in that. Several mistakes and bad decisions 
were made in film one. I will overlook the fact that she and her little co-conspirators, she and her little gaggle of nerds, got Troy to trash Gabriella on cam. Wow, great friend. And I will overlook the fact that Troy and Gabriella were both naive enough to fall into the trap. Like, okay. But you would hope that she'd be better than that by film two, instead of stirring the pot continuously at Lava Springs. So to jog your memory, Troy gets given some pretty dang fresh Italian shoes along with a bunch of other things by Fulton as a part of his new job, teaching golf to the kids at the club. He gets membership privileges, his own like personal clubs, his own golf cart. Me personally, I know nothing about shoes. I wear two brands of shoes, Vans and Docs, but I guess Italian is code for expensive. I learned this at a young age. I guess Italian shoes doesn't mean that they were bought from like H&M, but in the Naples H&M. They're like, it's, it's fresh crepes. It's fresh, fine, fine, high fashion crepes. Um, this is rich people territory. And if you've watched the film, which I'm assuming you have, if you're listening to this, you'll know why that is. You'll know it's favoritism, that Sharpe is getting Troy all these opportunities in the hopes of performing with him, etc. Sharpe compliments Troy's new wardrobe during one of the lessons with the kids, to which Troy responds, ha ha, you like, you like the shoes? They're Italian. Which is obviously just making conversation in an awkward situation because Sharpe is overwhelming. <laughs> Taylor is watching him from a distance with a face like a smacked bum. And, and later in conversation with Gabriella, she's like, I did overhear him asking for her opinion on his new Italian shoes. And Gabriella sulkily says, he didn't ask me. I swear, she's always whining. I don't know. High school, man. High school. Was I like that in high school? I might have been worse. I don't know. Let's not talk about me in high school. This is about high school musical, okay? This issue seems minor on its own because, like, who wouldn't be annoyed, right? Like, Troy is getting all these opportunities and recognition and freebies, all because Sharpay ultimately wants him to help her build her profile. And... Like, maybe because she's in love with him? I don't know. I always assumed Sharpay's obsession with Troy was purely showbiz, but it only recently occurred to me <laughs> whilst preparing for this podcast episode um, that maybe Sharpay had the most glaringly obvious crush and I just managed to miss it for 15 years. But I'll come back to this later. Anyway, when you look at this conversation in the greater context of Taylor's, frankly, off-putting personality and her role throughout the whole story throughout all three films it just gets more and more irritating it reminds me of something I saw someone said on Twitter or something about how miscommunication is the most annoying plot device ever like if you guys just listen to each other the problem would disappear but Taylor loves the drama why would she communicate well when she loves the drama she loves to stir the pot she thinks she's the biz because she's smart and holds a clipboard or something. And she's the type of person, I, I think she's the type of person who, who's like, when she's on a night out, she hopes someone gets upset and starts crying so that she gets to be the hero. You know, she gets to be the one who follows them out of the club or follows them into the bathroom. Ugh, I don't know. I, like, I, I, I think I've met Taylor. I think we've all met Taylor. Um... And I don't want to say that if you haven't met Taylor, then you are Taylor. But anyway, I, I, I don't like this character. I don't. Um, and 
you need to understand that when you're a little black girl looking for a character you can pretend to be in the playground musical productions and all you get is bottom of the barrel Taylor McKessie it contributes to the development of a severe complex I'm still recovering it's probably the reason I started a podcast probably the reason this is the first episode this is therapy for me hi hi (laughs) welcome to therapy um I, 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 if we're, if we're doing playground musical productions, I would rather be the unnamed black cheerleader with the bob. Um, if you've watched film three, she was one of the dancers in Now or Never, and she stands out because her hair is nice. (laughs) Her hair is cute. Um, I would rather be her. I liked her. I would follow her on Instagram. If you haven't seen the discourse on why Sharpay isn't the villain, you aren't a true super fan, let me tell you now. This ideology, this belief system, (laughs) um, I'm pretty sure was born out of a thread written by a now suspended Twitter account. Clearly someone didn't want us to know the truth or whatever. Um, Twitter user Sharpay's a victim. (laughs) Wow. And it it was all caps, yeah? At Sharpay's a victim. They did a whole thread with point after point after point illustrating why Sharpay was actually a victim in the series. I would have loved to point you in its direction, but I don't know how to find it anymore. They suspended her. They silenced her. They got to her. Actually, I don't know if the person who wrote this is her. But they got to this person. Maybe there was more truth to be learned. I don't know. But they got to them. So I don't know how to find it anymore. Essentially, to Sharpay, performing is her life and her dream career. And not just dream as in, oh, one day if I could be this. She's, she's determined. She's set on it. She has both her heart and her mind set on it. She is re- a really hard worker, actually. Um, no one can truthfully say otherwise. She and Ryan were, um, somewhat incestuously, going for the lead roles with the characters who are in love with each other or whatever. Um... And, like, why shouldn't they go for the the lead roles? This is their world. This is their forte. This is something that they work hard in. They performed an entirely new arrangement of what I've been looking for, which, let's be clear, was far better than what was originally written. The one that is performed as the reprise... Reprise? How do you pronounce it? Reprise? The one that's performed as the reprise in the film, performed by Troy and Gabriella, which technically, for the in film musical would have been like the one Kelsey legitimately wrote um I always hated that version I felt like it was a waste of screen time Sharpay and Ryan had flair and style and choreography and out of all the auditionees it only makes sense for the twins to have got the lead roles why are we acting like that out of pocket for wanting it why are we acting like that out of pocket for expecting it they know their strengths and they know their worth I do believe that people deserve the opportunity to discover new passions and that we should always be trying new things. But I think that also requires a degree of humility. I don't think you expect to try a new hobby and be the best at it and be praised for it from the jump and get all these opportunities above people who have genuinely been working hard at it for a long time. I think any of us would feel wronged if we were in Sharpay's position. In the end of film one, Troy's team wins the game, Gabriella's team wins the Scholastic Decathlon, 
They both get the lead roles in Twinkle Town, and Sharpay humbly, somehow, wishes Gabriella good luck, says break a leg. Gabriella doesn't even know what break a leg means. Um, yes, Sharpay is always thinking about herself and putting herself first, but if you know anything about the world of performing arts, that's kind of necessary because it's a fast-paced, competitive world and she knows that she has to be the best of the best. And actually, I think she is. Even if she's selfish and scheming at times, she's pretty excellent. In fact, Troy, like, dumps on her in the second film for being like, oh, have you ever considered just singing without all the without all the stuff and all the dancers? And it's like, she wants to be a star. Why would she, you know... She's not Ed Sheeran. <laughs> no hate to Ed Sheeran, please don't come for me. Oh my gosh. In film three, the only villains are Tiara Gold and Gabriella. <laughs> film three is an entirely different story template. Um, actually, I think Gabriella might have been a villain from the start, but anyway, film two is a big one for the true colours of these characters really coming out. Maybe I'm way behind, but I think Sharpe had a very genuine crush on Troy. I always I always assumed it was just this whole Troy popular, Troy sing good, Sharpay popular, Sharpay sing good, Sharpay advanced Troy career, Troy advanced Sharpay career. But it was only when preparing for this podcast that I realised, oh, maybe she just genuinely believed that they'd make a gloriously powerful couple in out in this world and that it just made sense, which would explain why Troy has that disturbing mental image of Sharpay in a wedding dress. Sharpay had already had her last performance opportunity taken over once before in Twinkletown in the first film. That's probably the only reason she wants the rest of the Wildcats to quit so badly. And I don't know, maybe they would have worked well as a couple. She had the power and the connections to get Troy the opportunities he'd kill for. Maybe the idea of Sharpay genuinely crushing on Troy seemed too on the nose. Like maybe I thought she would have disposed of him once she got what she needed. The idea of Sharpay trying to, like, steal Gabby's man or whatever just felt a bit beneath her. But the way she introduces Troy to her parents, pretends she can't golf so he'll help her, the way she, like, fixes his tie at dinner and how how sensual she is while they're performing her version of You Are The Music In Me. It, it uh, you know, it, 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 it's sus. It's sus. Um, and also, at the end when he says that he won't sing unless the Wildcats also sing, she looks really quite disappointed and says, I just sort of wished you were doing this for me. Um, and I felt bad for her in that moment. She she then says she likes Troy better than she likes herself. And like, has she or would she ever say that about anyone? Anyone. Troy was actually pretty kind to invite her on stage with them. He must have thought, this poor girl is obsessed with me. I can't let her stand there like that looking all sad (laughs) honorable mention to every day being the uplifting gospel inspired ballad that i needed they looked great did they not even in their uniforms i thought they looked wonderful i'm not going to say ryan got no recognition after all he did win the star award in film two ignoring the blatant nepotism but hey it wasn't sharpay right And he did get a full-ride scholarship to Juilliard. Not that he couldn't afford it. His dad owns Lava Springs Country Club, but 
uh, this isn't meant to be a critical commentary on social mobility, so I'll just move on. Film one gaslit all of us <laughs> by making us think Ryan, along with his little twinny, uh, was the villain. And we all know who the real villain was. Taylor. Taylor was the real villain. And maybe Gabriella. Both of them. Enemies of progress. Um, Ryan's, like, only friend was his self-absorbed sister. No hate to Sharpay, you know how I feel about Sharpay now. I was watching film two the day before I'm sat here recording this. Um, and there is actually a real painful moment during Sharpay and Ryan's verse in What Time Is It? When everyone is like crowding them for yearbook signatures and Sharpay signs this girl's yearbook with her cute little pink gel pen, looking like a superstar, looking like a celebrity. And Ryan is ready and fixes his Sharpie to sign the same yearbook and the girl, closes it in his face and just leaves. Excuse, excuse you. That is a future Broadway mogul. She'll wish she had his name in her yearbook 10 years down the line. But this is what I mean. I don't recall this boy having a single friend until he played baseball with the staff. Ryan had previously adopted Sharpay's personality, I guess, kind of. He didn't really have a personality of his own, but that's not his fault. I don't know what high school musical law dictates, but... I'm Yoruba, so I believe Ryan was probably the second born. Make of that what you will. Also, as a committed superfan, I owned, still own actually, all the extended DVDs. So I remember very well when Ryan was snubbed in film two during Huma Huma Nuka Nuka Apua'a. And his prince crown, or like Tiki Warrior crown, no, because he became the prince, right? He became the fish prince who became human again, or was meant to be. Anyway, that crown was given to Troy, excuse me. That was the moment Ryan could have become a villain. He could have, he, if you saw the look on his face, watch the film, watch Huma Huma Nuka Nuka Apua'a, watch the disgust on, on Ryan's face. That was the moment he could have become a villain. He is the only one who had the right to feel mad at Troy because Troy gave Ryan mad hostility all the time. We all remember that bit when Ryan is like, her mum makes the best brownies, and Troy's like, yeah, I've had them. Um, if you don't like me, that's fine. But, you know, watch your mouth. Oh, please. Troy didn't have to make Ryan so uncomfortable like that, especially after Ryan literally had to steal his tiki crown and lay back from him. Ryan was given a choice. He could have been a villain, But instead, he chose to make some friends. He became Gabriella's new bestie because who needs a tailor? Sorry, I will keep dragging her. Um, And swap shirts with Chad after the staff baseball game because that's how high school works. Chad is angry at Troy now because Troy has his Italian shoes. So Ryan is his new best friend. Have you seen that meme that's, um, that's like a picture of these guys like doing this like, I don't know muscle handhold and it's like friendship ended with Mudasir. now Salman is my best friend and like Mudasir has been crossed out I think that's what it really meant when Chad and Ryan swapped clothes Chad said friendship ended with Troy now Ryan is my best friend um then of course the two proceeded never to acknowledge each other ever again high school once again that's high school for you (laughs) suddenly Ryan is everyone's like hashtag so true bestie Ryan is gracious and forgives Troy for treating him like trash. And this is all like jock level charisma on a drama kid who wears sparkly hats. 
Also, the boy gained a few dozen IQ points since film one. I don't know, I don't know if you remember, but he was severely lacking in social and academic intellect. I don't know how he went from being someone who couldn't read a Go Drama Club sign in film one to tricking Sharpay out of her own performance in film two. Um, insert Kelly from Insecure saying, you know what that is? Growth. High School Musical 3 came out in 2008, which means it's been 12 or 13 years since Ryan left East High for Juilliard choreography on scholarship. And I'd like to believe that, like, what, 30-year-old Ryan Evans is living his best life right now. I hope he never returns to Albuquerque. Um, I imagine Architectural Digest has since done a six-page feature. Or, no, better yet, he had an open-door episode. It's called... Um, inside Ryan Evans is chic and sleek New York <laughs> city penthouse. Maybe I should write the titles for Architectural Digest. Um, and he's like talking about these lovely hardwood floors and bespoke sheepskin rug. And there's like marble and there's leather and there's um, a, a copper KitchenAid purely for decorative purposes because he's too busy on Broadway to be baking. Yes, I love that for him. Also, I will pepper in the fact that Ryan is canonically gay. I don't think today is the day for me to break it down. I'm not discussing it with you guys, but the sources are out there, if you look. I don't know what Disney was trying to pull with the whole Ryan-Kelsey prom dynamic, but I think we can all agree it wasn't significant enough to have any real lasting impact in our minds, yes? (laughs) <laughs> they looked gorgeous though, didn't they? I'm I'm glad they ended up friends like that. Uh, hashtag so true bestie. All that's left to say is that I really have so much love for Ryan. Just so much love. Um, if it isn't clear, he's my favourite character. I think he's delightful. There's that one scene in film three where he's leading his uh, yoga fossey thing, as Sharpay calls it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's baby Kenny Ortega. And what can I say? I'm very, very proud of him. In conclusion, High School Musical as a franchise is greater than the sum of its parts. If you feel disappointed that I mostly focused on the second and third film, then I do apologise, but I think what makes High School Musical so great is the character development and the continued creativity as new films were made. I was nine when the first film came out, and yes, I do remember being so excited. They were advertising it for weeks and weeks and weeks without even giving us a release date. I remember finally seeing the um, premiere date on Disney Channel and going to school to all my year four friends and being like, did you see, did you see? They finally said when it's coming out. But my real love for the trilogy as a whole only really developed as I got older, as I outgrew the demographic actually and began to look back on the films retrospectively with a sense of nostalgia and if you're disappointed that I didn't really speak about Gabriella then I'm not sorry for that um maybe when Gabriella develops a personality worth having an opinion on then I'll have something to say until that day comes that's all we have time for so thanks for listening I hope you enjoyed the inaugural installment of this new podcast And I'll be back at some point. Bye. Thanks for listening.